In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece from our 2022 Legacy Stories issue featuring women diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. But real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to once again give you a little nudge to write your story for Wildfire Magazine. Yes, you. You have a story worth telling. I promise. The theme I'm collecting stories for now is one of our most beloved themes. It's the love and intimacy issue. This is the fourth time we're doing the theme and it is always powerful. We're exploring all the ways that our cancer has affected our relationships with those closest to us. This is a topic that we all think about all the time, but we don't talk about nearly enough. I'm talking about stories of dating, weddings, divorces, intimacy hurdles, and intimacy wins, and more. The submission deadline is February 25th. See more and get tips for writing a winning wildfire essay at wildfirecommunity.org. All right, on to today's story which coincidentally is also about love and how cancer affects our core relationships. This relationship at the heart of today's story is that of a mom and her young daughter. My guest today is Holly Taylor. Holly was a sergeant in the U.S. Army National Guard. She then became a kindergarten teacher and taught for seven years before being diagnosed out of the blue at age 37 with stage four metastatic breast cancer. She's now a stay-at-home mom trying her best to make the most memories with her daughter with whatever time she has. She's determined to share her story so that others can learn and advocate better for themselves than she feels that she did. As I said at the start, Holly's here to read a piece she wrote for our NBC issue called Legacy Stories, and her story is called I Want. Welcome to The Burn, Holly. Hi. Hey there. Welcome. So I'm going to turn it over to you in just a second, um, but I'll let everyone know that after you read, we're going to have a chat and then there will be a writing prompt inspired by our discussion. All right. I'll let you take it away. All right. I want. Cancer truly is the worst way to meet the most amazing people. Cancer is horrible. Everything about cancer is awful, except for my village, which has rallied around me the cancer community, and the support of other cancer patients give. As a young adult, I have a unique set of challenges that others in the adolescent and young adult community understand, like having symptoms dismissed as nothing. My story is unique, yet so common with young breast cancer. I was diagnosed young at 37, but let's back things up a little bit. When I was 32, I thought I felt a lump in my breast, and it was painful. 
I saw my obstetrician and was told I was too young, that breast cancer usually isn't painful, and that it was probably an inflamed mammary gland and would resolve itself. Well, I'm the poster child for why monthly self-exams are so important. Had I been doing monthly self-exams, maybe I would have found it growing. Maybe I would have caught it sooner. Fast forward to 37, I was diagnosed with stage 4 de novo with invasive ductal carcinoma, with metastasis to both my lungs and all through my liver. To say I was completely crushed is an understatement. I am a huge advocate for change. Young women with breast cancer need better screening tools. Maybe young women should be offered ultrasounds, MRIs, or mammograms when they find an abnormal lump. Maybe young women shouldn't just be dismissed because of their age. Maybe we should be able to trust our doctors. We deserve better. I deserved better. I'm a single mom to a beautiful, vibrant, nine-year-old little girl. She is my pride and joy. I am all my daughter has. When I am gone, she will be an orphan. I guess that's why thinking about what I want to leave behind feels so heavy. I find comfort and meaning in living each day to be present with my daughter, to be an example for her, to leave her with a foundation that will last longer than I will. I am so fearful that she will follow in my footsteps and allow herself to be dismissed when she knows something is wrong. This is something cancer is already teaching me how to do. I so badly want to leave my daughter with the confidence to know how to speak up for herself. I want to make sure I leave a lasting impact on her and that I leave her a legacy that she can cling to and find strength in. I want to pass on to my daughter confidence and strength in who she is. I want my daughter to know when to show grace and when to stand her ground. I want my daughter to learn to be firm yet compassionate. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who brought joy into the world. I want my daughter to grow up with me as a role model. And if she doesn't get the chance to do that, I want her to remember the type of person her mother was. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who made others laugh. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who made others feel welcomed, comfortable, and deeply loved. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who was deeply loved. I want my daughter to remember someone who was a godly woman who loved Christ with all her heart. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who was vibrant in spite of cancer. I want my daughter to remember me as someone who had hope beyond her diagnosis. Now I'm passionate about sharing my story so that others don't make the same mistake. I did. They must advocate for themselves better than I did. I don't want other women to allow themselves to be dismissed like I was. I wish I had known at 32 that I should have asked for a mammogram or asked for this to be noted in my chart. If my pain and my story can help someone do those things, then at least all of this was not for nothing. Living with metastatic breast cancer certainly has its challenges but I am learning to hunt the good stuff in life, to actively seek out what is good and to cling to it, and to not only be grateful for the big things in life, but also the mundane things. Cancer has shown me how important my community is to me, 
and I'm so grateful for the love and support I have received. The biggest lesson I have learned is how important my faith in God is. Without my faith, I'm not sure I'd be able to hold on to hope. Mm. Thank you for that, Holly. That was beautiful. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will chat. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Nikki. I'm from Loveland, Colorado. And I was 44 years old when I was diagnosed with stage 1C invasive ductal carcinoma hormone positive, HER2 negative. Uh, Upon further investigation, we found that I had the ATM mutation and I moved forward with a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. Although those feelings have been very hard to process, uh, especially during a pandemic, doing these wildfire workshops have been very cathartic. They helped me to tap into buried feelings I didn't even know existed and open the door for memories that were long forgotten. I highly recommend it for anyone going through the cancer experience and even caregivers. I look forward to doing more of them soon. Welcome back. Thank you so much for the love. I really appreciate all the testimonials I get to play here on The Burn. These are real people who have one way or another found their way to wildfire and experienced the change being here and writing has made on their survivorship. Those of you listening, if you have a testimonial of how the Wildfire Magazine and writing community has affected you that you would like to share, please record it on your phone and email it to me at editor at wildfirecommunity.org. All right, Holly, turning back to you, thank you again for your powerful writing and sharing today. Yes, thank you for letting me share my story. Absolutely. So I'd love to to dive right in. In the heart of your story are several things I want to talk about. I wonder if we could talk first about this list of wants for your daughter. And I'm curious if you had ever written a list like this before, if this is part of something, uh, part of your writing um, and what that experience was for you. Yeah, I, um, I guess I've made like a mental list um it was harder to put it on paper i it like made it more tangible i guess Mm. or more concrete to think about the things that i want for her if i'm not here like the things i want to leave behind for her so it was 
it was good. It was like almost like therapeutic to to write it out. Um, but it was hard. I had to stop a couple times and come back to it. I bet. I mean, I can hear the emotion in your voice now, and I could hear it when you were reading. And so I imagine that it maybe was a really heavy thing for you to sit down and write. Do you have any idea how long it took you to to put it all together? Um, well, I stopped and started, but it took me, it took me a while because I, um, I wanted, it was hard to put into words, I think, what I wanted to say, because sometimes I stumble over my words and whatnot, but it took me, it took me a while. Uh, I worked on it probably all together if I added it up it was probably a couple of hours but spaced out over a few days yeah have you I know in when you uh, wrote this your daughter was nine I don't know if she's a little bit older now or not but have you shared this with her yet she is still nine I she knows that it, it was published in the wildfire magazine um and I'm pretty sure when it came I read it to her yeah. Yeah. When the magazine came, I read it to her. What was that like? Do you remember? Oh, we both cried. She's <laughs> like me. We, she cries easy. But so do I. But it was, it was good. It was, it, it was hard. But um, I don't know. I'm learning that a lot of things in life that are good are not easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a great quote about that, that if it's w worth it or if it's hard, it's worth it or something like that. Like, that's how you know that it's important. Yeah. Um, but you're making me think of parenting my own daughter. She's a little bit older than yours. She's 14. And I'm trying to unteach her this idea that the things that we want and the things that we want others to know are somehow supposed to just pass through like osmosis or, you know, this this whole idea that when we blow out candles on a birthday cake, we're supposed to keep that like a secret, those wishes. And I love what you're doing and writing it down and that you read it to your daughter. And I'm trying to teach my daughter that if we want something, we need to say it out loud. We need to share it. We need to write it. We need to, you know, do all the things to get it out of our bodies so that it can become have you noticed a shift in yourself since writing this list or writing this piece and getting it out of your body? Um, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's very comforting to, to have it tangible, like in the, in the wildfire magazine. And I'm going to put some stuff together in like a box for Hadley, that's my daughter's name, um, that my parents can give to her um, after I pass, just with stuff that, you know, stuff from trips the two of us have gone on and, and the Wildfire magazine. And I've been writing, um, I've been writing her letters since she was born in a book. And so I'm going to put that book in the box too. So I'm getting together this little box of keepsakes and I'm trying to do a little bit now, like as I go along and think of things, because when the time comes and I'm running out of 
treatment, whenever that will be, I think it'll be too hard to remember all the little things that I want to put in the box for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good to get it to get it from my brain out and onto paper. And I love that it's something that she can go back to whenever she wants to go back and remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like words of wisdom. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's fine. I just love that you're putting together a legacy box. And I've heard of others, you know, writing letters, like you said, that you are putting together a box to to have keepsakes in it. It you're talking so frankly to me about this time, you know, when when you will be passing these things on to her. Is this a topic that you guys talk about openly or you and your parents are talking about openly? Um, well, I answer any question she has in like an age appropriate way as as best I can. Um, we don't talk a whole lot about well, she doesn't ask me a lot of questions about what's gonna happen when I die. Um, she did the other day get really sad just thinking about that. And then I crap. I was trying to make her feel better, and I cracked a joke about putting me in an hourglass so I can still be a part of family game night. <laughs> she did not. She did not find that very funny. But um, I think it's I hilarious. Like, I I appreciate that humor. <laughs> I'm like, whose turn is it? I don't know. Turn mom over. Like, just <laughs> mom's keeping time. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I try to just keep it real, but also I. And that's just me in a nutshell. Like I try to, I love making people laugh and I, I don't know, I say things like that. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. Well, I already did. So <laughs> it's out there now. <laughs> I, I think, so I get, I get her, her stoicism and how hard this topic is, but I think you just continuing to be you and, you know, if dark humor is part of, part of how you are living and coping that's a wonderful legacy for her, just in how we live with with hard things. Um, and I think it's great that you're being so real with her in an age-appropriate way. I appreciate that as well. Um, it's the juggling act. I think we all face being diagnosed young, meaning our kids are young too, if we have them, if we were able to have them. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. I want to turn to another aspect of your story this is the part where that you kind of call your, the mistake that you made and has kind of fueled your advocacy and talking to others about being more, um, well, advocates for themselves, but, you know, having the confidence to be advocates for themselves. Can you talk a little bit about, a little more about this realization that maybe a mistake had happened? Or I guess I'm curious how you've given yourself forgiveness for that and then moved it into the advocacy role that that you write about I think that um it just I I just didn't know then to ask for more or to be like more stern or you know like I just and so I've lived a lot of life in my um, I'm 38 am I 38 <laughs> I think I'm 38. I have to do that age math all the time 
<laughs> and I've lived a lot of life in those years and just um, I've learned through other difficult things that I've been through in life to forgive myself of the things that I didn't know. Like I can't be mad at myself for not doing better than because I just didn't know I needed to do better. Um, but that also is partly why I I will share my story with anyone who will listen to me <laughs> because I so badly do not want anybody to follow in my footsteps. Like I I want them to know like if you find something that's not normal for you, don't just, you know, when you go to your doctor, ask for a mammogram. And if they say no, ask for it to be noted in your chart. Like stand up for yourself and keep asking if you think something's not right and to do self exams because I didn't do those. And because I was young and just, you know, you never think that you're going to be diagnosed with stage four breast cancer until you are. And so that's another thing that I talk a lot about, about how important it is to do self exams so you can notice when something is different. Because um, if I had been doing that, you know, I think my story would be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear everything that you're saying. And I love what you said about, you know, you can't you can't know what you don't know, right? Like you can only fold it in and move forward with that information. And I love that now you're sharing your story and helping others to get to know their bodies in ways that maybe they didn't know. So like you said, there can be a baseline where they can gain time through maybe an earlier detection. I'm kind of wondering, you know, bringing this back around to your daughter, are you guys starting to talk about self-exams? I know she's probably starting to maybe develop a little bit. Like, is that a topic that you guys have touched yet? So we've talked about it because she's heard me um, talk about how important they are. And I tell my family, like, on the first, because it's just easy. There's that hashtag feel them on the first right and so she's heard me talk about it um she is still like she i think she's gonna follow me and like just develop later in life than like her friends or even her cousin um but my plan is to you know there's posters and whatnot and to kind of walk her through how to do an exam and um I'd also like to, like, she will get better screening and earlier screening because of me. Mm -hmm. So she'll start getting mammograms earlier than I would have. But there's other things, too, that can help, like, um, indicate when there's some kind of a change, like a thermogram. Um, and those you have to, those aren't covered by insurance. So I, if I give, get her a thermogram when she hits puberty, I'll have to pay for it out of pocket. But at least it would be like a baseline. And if something were to change, if she does that yearly, she might be able to catch something sooner and have a better prognosis than, than I do at stage four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of these things are like heavy conversations, heavy family decisions. And I, I really respect and appreciate that you're thinking about this and taking some of these steps for her. I guess my last question for you, and this might be 
this might be hard. We'll see if you can answer it. But I personally am always looking for opportunities to gain confidence myself. And so I'm wondering what tips you might have for people who who don't feel like they have a lot of confidence to speak up for themselves, especially in a medical setting. Like what it I don't know. Do you have any tips there? It's hard, right? Because you go to the doctor because they are the experts, right? Like like you, like my oncologist, I see her because she knows more about cancer than I do. Um, and so, at least for me, there's always this like, well, they're smarter than me. They know better than I do. And I think in a broad picture, they do because, you know, they've been to medical school, but they don't know me better than me. And if you know that there's something that's not normal for you, just to keep asking, like maybe it's too much out of the comfort zone to, in that first appointment, to be like, no, I need this now, you know, but to, when you come back for a next appointment, be like, I'd like you to check this again because I still don't think it's right. You know, this is still bothering me. And like, just to continue to bring it up, like the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Yep, yep. Um, and to not just be like, well, they told me it wasn't, that it was fine. And so I'm just going to ignore that I don't feel fine, you know, like to not do that and just take small steps if that is what's more comfortable, you know, and just to keep bringing it up if it's still bothering you, like this lump is still there and it's still painful and it's not going away and things like that. I think even if I had done that, it would have, I, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? But it's true. But I love what you just said about the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's so true. And I think a lot of us, I know this is the truth for me, worry about being a pain or an inconvenience for someone else or, you know, taking resources from someone else. But the truth is that if we don't advocate for ourselves, no one else is going to. Like we have to become um, really smart at that, really good at that, especially being diagnosed young or facing a cancer younger, potential for a cancer younger, when the whole medical field is used to finding it in older women and they are used to having that you're too young kind of response. So we need to line up. We need to get our, our confidence in gear, but also then we line up a team that, that can see us and advocate for us um, where we're at. It sounds like you have a good team now that you trust. I do. I have a fantastic oncology team. Like I just, even just meeting other women who are, who have breast cancer and some of them feel like their oncologist doesn't have any time for them and only spends a few minutes with them and they feel very rushed and like their questions aren't getting answered. And that has not been the case with my oncologist. She is amazing. And she'll, we'll talk about whatever and she'll go, okay, do you have any other questions? And I'm like, nah. I think I'm fine. And we'll talk for a little bit and I'll come up with another question. She's like, okay, do you have any other questions? And I'm like, oh, well, I thought I didn't before, but I came up with another one. Like she just spends her time to make sure with me to make sure that we talk about and talk through all the questions that I have. And even ones that I didn't know that I had when the appointment started. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so great. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, And it's giving you 
the the foundation to to be an even stronger advocate for yourself as as things continue. So awesome, Holly. Thank you for that. Where can people find you online if they want to follow you or learn more about you? So I share a lot of my story on Instagram and it's um crazy curly Holly because I I used to have long curly hair. I don't have hair anymore. But I used to have long curly hair, but I share a lot of my journey and my story through breast cancer on my Instagram. Crazy Curly Holly. I love it. We will be sure to tag you in uh, or list you in the show notes and tag you on everything. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here with me, Holly. And again, for reading a really vulnerable piece. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everyone, today's writer and guest was Holly Taylor. Her piece was called I Want, and this came from our October-November 2022 issue of Wildfire called Legacy Stories. I'm April Sterns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer story? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 40 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a Wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Okay, here is your writing prompt. The prompt is, I want. I want. It's that simple, but can be extremely powerful to explore. So set your timer for eight minutes, right without stopping or editing yourself. I want. See what needs to come out and where it will take you. And I have more prompts available for you in the free journal companion to this podcast. Head over to wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn to get yours. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.